Welcome to the Go Beyond Disruption podcast, brought to you by the Association of International Certified Professional Accountants. Exclusive weekly conversations about how emerging tech is changing accounting, business, and finance. Now more than ever, we all must think differently about what we do and how we do it. Being bolder, breaking convention, going beyond the old comfort zones. It's Women's History Month, so all March, we'll hear exclusively from female guest experts who've done just that. Women from around the world who are impressively ahead of the curve, leading innovation in everything from blockchain to robotic process automation, artificial intelligence to human intelligence, and data analytics to cybersecurity. Subscribe to this podcast for free, and together, we'll go beyond disruption. Welcome to Go Beyond Disruption. Today, we're going to be talking about how disruption impacts our workplace culture and our talent, um, one of our best assets as a company. Um, my guest today is Carolyn Swara. She's calling in from Toronto, Canada, and I'm Jennifer Gardner. I'll be your host today, and I'm calling in from Durham, North Carolina. Carolyn is a workplace culture architect and author of the book, Rules of Engagement, building a workplace culture to thrive in an uncertain world. Carolyn, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, Jennifer. I'm always, uh, always love to talk about this topic. It's a topic I'm also very fascinated by. And as a manager, the culture that I create for my team is extremely important. Yeah, it is. Managers and leaders ha- can play such an important role. And, and within uh, a big company culture, there's all these little subcultures. So the role of a manager is really, really important because it does impact the overall organization. So what are some of the reasons why people might be disengaged at work? Oh, wow. There's a lot. But I think if I distill it down into one thing, it would be the fact that our world is changing so fast. The landscape, the markets that we're working within, and it's this this concept that's called VUCA. It's an acronym. It stands for Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, and Ambiguity. And and basically what it's saying is that times are, are different. We have to expect change now. If it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. And so this environment, it's not predictable. It's harder to uh, know what's coming your way. And that kind of goes against the way our brain is wired. We like predictability. We like to know what's coming our way. So it's just created a very, very different environment. And so we have to use different skills than we have in the past. So what are some of the drivers for this change in our workplace culture beyond yeah. the rapid pace of change? Yeah, there's there's really two things driving this. Uh, and this is out of research from uh, Burson by Deloitte. Two main things. The, the technology, and, and you might have heard that um, referenced as the digital transformation or... Um, you know, 4.0, industrial revolution 4.0. But the fact is, is that our world operates differently now with all this different technology. We're on 24-7. We can access information, you know, on our phones. So that ability to get 
work done differently has driven a big change in the workplace. So that's the first one is, is just the speed at which technology is, is changing. The second one is the fact that there um, are five, sometimes even six generations in the workplace. And I, you know, sometimes when I say that number, people say, no, there can't be that many, but there is, you know, we've got, uh, we've got these five different generations and, and all that means really simply is that we've got five generations who grew up with different needs, different values and different experiences. And so when you merge all of those into a workplace together, no one group should be getting priority over another, but quite often we will hear more about one than the other. And that can cause people to feel not heard, not belong. And, um, you know, certain generations, have more, um, there's more of them in the workplace. So as I say, they'll vote with their feet if their needs aren't getting met and they'll leave. And that's really what's caused this idea of culture to become more uh, top of mind for for leaders because of retention and attracting Mm -hmm. talent. So when we think of disruption, we're often thinking about technology. And I think, you know, technology is such a part of our workplace culture now. How does that impact how we interact with one another and our productivity and engagement levels? Yeah, I talk about this in the book. I mean, technology is great. I love my phone. I don't go anywhere without it. Um, But definitely we have to learn to put boundaries in place. And this can show up personally, but also within your team at work. So for example, uh, you know, setting, setting guidelines or norms about when it's acceptable to email, you know, as simple as it sounds, if you're sending emails out at 10 o'clock at night and not realizing the impact that can have on your team, you know, that's, that's not acceptable anymore. You know, there are different, um, different ways we need to be able to use this technology. We need to be able to shut down from it. And like it or not, if you're a leader, you have this what's called legitimate power, meaning, you know, you're in a position of authority over this person. And even if you just say, oh, well, don't pay attention to that message if it comes through on the weekend, you can't just say that. People will pay attention to it. So so there's, there's. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a role for the manager to play and then there's a role for individuals to play. You know, disconnect from your phone, cut yourself off, um, take your holidays, uh, don't take your phone with you or at least turn the email off. We, we have to get better at setting those boundaries. If we don't, we're not giving our, our brain a chance to rest and restore itself. And if we don't do that, then we're not making good decisions. We're not being creative. We're not being innovative. We have to give ourselves a break. So as a manager, I try to make sure that even if I'm doing a little bit of work on the weekend, that I'm not emailing the members of my team so that they know that the weekend is their time to themselves and their families or whatever else they have going on in their lives. And um, recently, one of my team members went to Europe on a vacation. And I told her, I said, do not check in. If you check in, and I was joking, but I was like, yep. check in. I'm going to put it in your, your, you know, yep. um, review. And I, you know, I didn't mean it seriously, but I did want her to know that I, I believed that time was so important to her and her well-being that I wanted to make sure she didn't worry about work at all. Exactly, and and, and that's a great start, Jennifer. Um, and that that definitely demonstrate your support for the employees to take their time away. I would take it one step further and ask you what you do on your holidays. Do you disconnect? Um, And do you trust that your team will look after everything while you're gone? Um, Okay, so I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Um, I'm not very good at doing that, partly because oftentimes I 
just haven't gotten everything done needed to get done. I'm a new manager. And so one of the challenges that I'm finding with being a new manager is um, making sure that I have enough time to get my deliverables done while providing the support and coaching that my team needs. Um, So the answer to that is no, I'm not very good at that. Um, so that's an area that I could work on improving in. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, thanks for your your honesty there. And I think that really captures what's at the essence for a lot of people. Their intent is good. They're not intending um, to have a bad impact. Unfortunately, when you are unable to disconnect, your actions will demonstrate something different, and it won't match the, the intent that you have. So. Um, Again, it's a skill that as we, you know, as our workforce evolves, learning how to draw those boundaries is really important. And sometimes we will just have to walk away from some of the work and understand that it's not going to get done and and deal with, you know, the ramifications of that. It's not always going to be that bad. Right. And I think, you know, with change happening so rapidly, it does feel like there's always more and more and more to be done. Um, And I've been seeing a lot of articles recently um, about how you're never going to get everything done on your to-do list. So just let go of that expectation for yourself. And I try often to prioritize so that I am making sure I get the most important work done. Yeah, absolutely. And again, so herein lies the role of technology. It's hard to get the most important work done because the most important work does not involve notifications or pop-up messages. And and it's a dopamine hit for our brain yep. every time every time we see that happen. So, you know, blocking off time, uh, telling yourself I'm not going to answer emails during a certain time. Uh, you know, I was coaching an individual last week and we made an agreement that um you know, to only check emails for an hour in the morning and an hour at the end of the day because she wasn't getting any work done because she was just constantly responding to emails. Right. Well, one of the promises I made to myself was not to do email first thing in the morning. Great. Because that is my most productive time. My brain is sharp. I can do my best thinking. So I'm trying not to spend time on email when I start my day. That's so I don't great. use those valuable hours. Yeah, um, that's great. I'm marginally successful with it, but I'm working on it. (laughs) That's good. Step by step. Step Yes. Are you ready for disruption? Join us in Chicago, Illinois, April 24th through 26th at the AICPA CFO conference to find out. The CFO conference keeps you at the cutting edge of the financial industry with 22 sessions developed for CFOs, by CFOs, 33 subject matter experts, and two professional networking sessions. It's the one event of the year specifically designed to prepare you for disruption and provide you with the opportunities to advance your career and make your mark in the C-suite world. Get $75 off when you register before March 12th and use promo code CFO19 for an extra 75 off for a total savings of $150. But don't worry, if you're hearing this podcast after March 12th, you can still use promo code CFO19. And if you can't attend the CFO conference in person, you can still join us online so you don't miss out with all of our exclusive sessions streamed live in real time straight to your computer or mobile device. You'll also have access to remote networking, chat rooms, handouts, and slides, just as if you're there with us on site. Register today at aicpastore.com CFO, and we'll look forward to seeing you at the 2019 CFO conference. 
So what changes can companies make to succeed during these disruptive times? Yeah, well, that's why, you know, the role that I play as a workplace culture architect, um, you know, we're here to help organizations manage through this. Uh, you know, most most people don't get put into leadership roles or into the C-suite because of their ability to create wonderful cultures. Um, typically, they've demonstrated an ability to build strategic alliances, to deliver profits, um, all the things you need businesses to do. The ability to to build great cultures, you know, some leaders have it and it's great. Those are the really successful companies, big and small. But I'd say the first thing a company can do is take responsibility and, and, and bring in expertise or hire expertise to help manage this. It's, it's like managing your books, your financial books. Um, you're managing the, the people practices, um, but from a humanistic component, not necessarily a process component, which is typically where HR has been asked to step into as a process role, right around hiring and recruiting. And, and this, is, this is much more than that. So what's the risk if we don't succeed with creating good workplace cultures? It's pretty straightforward, and I'm sure many of the people that they're listening have seen it. People will vote with their feet and they'll leave. One of my favorite jobs I ever had was during the dot-com boom. I worked in an advertising agency in San Francisco, and I had the title of Director of Recreations and Destinations. And so my job was to manage the agency's travel, but I was also responsible for creating connections at work, creating a sense of belonging, a sense of celebration. Um, So I threw all kinds of employee events throughout the year and even created an employee of the month um, that really recognized people for who they were and rewarded them for who they were. Um, so my job was to keep people from going to startups during yeah. the dot-com boom. Yeah. And I mean, you tapped into a, a, a bunch of key concepts there, this need to belong. Um, you know, it is so inherent. It's, it's part of our brain chemistry. We need to feel that we belong to something and we spend so much time in the workplace um, that's a great place to help people feel that they belong. And so creating experiences for your employees at work is much more than the foosball table, the free snacks. And, and right. yes, do those help create an experience? Yes, they do. But um, there's much more to do beyond that to help people feel like they belong. And so organizations that are looking at the employee experience as a journey um, and really mapping out where that impact, where they can have a big impact and really recognize um, the value and the contribution that people bring. I was reading an, an article this morning um, about a, a company in the U.S. and they do some great things. They're not, it's not, you know, a hugely cost uh cost intensive. Um, but it's acknowledging, you know, when the new person comes in, they get a balloon at their desk. So everybody, you know, that they're new. When they hit a work anniversary, they get a big balloon number hanging, uh, you know, above their desk. Um, you know, these things, they do matter. Uh, they do matter. And it, it helps build a sense of belonging. Um, so another thing that you mentioned in your book is how important it is to be connected to a sense of purpose. Yeah. Um, and I think belonging and purpose almost go hand in hand in my mind. Yeah, actually, that's, it's funny you said that because one of my favorite quotes uh, from the book is that performance happens at the intersection of belonging and purpose. So, you know, we were talking earlier, our generation, so I was Gen X. 
um, you know, when I started out in the workforce, it, in the workforce, purpose wasn't a big thing. I remember being told, you just go do a job. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. And that's not the case anymore. There are so many amazing, wonderful companies out there doing great things for the world and for people. Um, and, and, you know, we as humans want to connect to that. So, you know, there is purpose in everything that we do. And it's, it's being very... Um, uh, deliberate with sharing that and also as a leader helping individuals connect their individual purpose to the organizational purpose and not having it stuffed down our throats um, you know typically you have people have been drawn to your organization for a reason and um, and helping them make those connections uh, more apparent can really really help with uh, with retention and it inspires them it, you know this this idea of inspiring people to bring their best performance to work will really help your your performance as an organization so so I think it's interesting um, when I think about Gen X. As a generation, we've had some real challenges in the workplace. And so I think perhaps our need to just take a job stems from the fact that we've been through the dot-com boom and bust and the Great Recession. And so for our generation, we probably do work view work a little bit differently than, um, say, millennials or the newest generation coming into the workforce, Gen Z. Yeah, and now we're back to the the five demographics, right? We all bring different values into the workplace. And, you know, the generation before us, the boomers, they very much grew up in an era where you were rewarded for your loyalty and you had that security. So that got passed on to us and the world changed after that. So, you know, the next generation realized that's not going to cut it. We saw Enron happen in the 80s. So purpose became really much more of a driver. So, you know, as leaders and organizations, we need to understand and align the values that we all share because we do. We share values. um, And so how can we bring people together instead of letting these values drive us apart? Right. And I think when we think about millennials and Gen Z, who is now starting to enter the workforce, um, they really do have a desire for purpose, partly driven, I think, by how companies are really providing experiences to their customers. So they've grown up in a culture that connected them more to purpose and experience than prior generations. Absolutely. There's a great book I used in the research for my book um, around the experience economy by Joseph Pine. And, And it's true, you know, this Gen Z is growing up in a world of experiences. So it only makes sense that they have an experience in the workplace that is going to help them thrive and not dictate and mandate rules constantly on how to do things. So as leaders, what skills should we be developing to support these five generations and the need for a connection to purpose? You know, even the definition of a leader, I would say we could start shifting our mindset on that. And I talk about this in the book. It's one of the the rules that I refer to as equivalence. It's this idea that that leaders aren't necessarily something on a on an org chart. Um, leaders are people who want to inspire change and do something different. So I think the first mindset shift is that you don't have to have reports or direct reports to be a leader. And so if we start with that and recognize that the ability to harness ideas and information out of a collective group, as opposed to being the one with all the answers, that absolutely is a skill that leaders need to develop. Um, You know, we're in a team-based world. It's not about having all the answers anymore. So that would be, I'd say, the number one thing that leaders can do. 
And you mentioned in your book some rules of engagement. Can you tell us more about the rules of engagement? Sure, sure. So in the book, I introduce, um, I I call it the purposeful workplace experience. And so this is a way to help people understand what what creates a good culture. And so there are four four rules. Um, The rule of connection, which we've talked about already, which is this idea of connecting to the human element of people at work. Doesn't mean you have to be best friends with everybody, but taking... um, just taking a moment to connect with people at work, like, hey, Jennifer, how was your weekend? And recognize that there are people behind processes um, and, and connecting to that very simply. The next rule is, is that of collaboration, uh, which builds on this notion of the fact that we're in a team-based environment. We perform as teams, we work as teams, we get rewarded as teams. So the ability to collaborate and generate dialogue that will bring out different ideas and welcome diversity is incredibly important as well. The third rule is I call the rule of adaptability. And this uh, this really um, helps us deal with VUCA, that VUCA environment. Um, and, and knowing that things are going to change. Um, something's going to happen that you don't expect. It's not a matter of if, it is just a matter of when. So looking at your planning cycles, perhaps a little bit differently, being a little bit more flexible. I give an example of, of something I did with my teams, which was we planned quarterly as opposed to annually. Um, we had our long-term goals in mind, but we looked at this. Um, we looked at it in, in smaller chunks just because so many things were changing in the business. And then the last rule was the rule of equivalence, which I've talked a little bit about already in that we can all be leaders. And if we worry less about our job titles and focus more on what we can learn and grow and develop as individuals, that will set us up for success and set the organization up for success as well, because we're looking at the collective impact rather than our own ego and personal advancement. Sounds like no matter what level we are in the organization, we can start moving towards a positive workplace culture through um, some of these rules of engagement. This has been absolutely fascinating. It's a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, I really enjoy thinking about culture and how we connect as human beings. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise today. Great. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm happy to spend the time here. Our guest today has been Carolyn Swara. She is a workplace culture architect and author of the book, Rules of Engagement, Building a Workplace Culture to Thrive in an Uncertain World. I recommend getting the book and taking a deeper dive into some of these concepts. You can also find her at pinnacleculture.ca. That's P-I-N-N-A-C-L-E-C-U-L-T-U-R-E dot C-A. And I hope you'll tune in to future segments of the Go Beyond Disruption podcast. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Go Beyond Disruption, highlighting trailblazing women in the tech space and human intelligence. This podcast is brought to you by the Association of International Certified Professional Accountants. For more information about today's topic, search for us online with keywords, Go Beyond Disruption. Feel free to share your thoughts with us on social media using the hashtags human intelligence, go beyond disruption, or AICPA Women Lead. This podcast is designed to provide illustrative information with respect to the subject matter covered and does not represent an official opinion or position of the Association of International Certified Professional Accountants or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates.
It is provided with the understanding that the association, its affiliates, and subsidiaries are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If such advice or expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional person should be sought. The association, its subsidiaries, and affiliates make no representations, warranties, or guarantees as to and assume no responsibility for the content or application of the material contained herein and expressly disclaim all liability for such damages arising out of the use of, reference to, or reliance on such material.